Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Here we are back again. Thoughts on thoughts. It's been a whole week mm, since a long you've heard time us. In your world, it is. Yeah, you probably want to hear from us every day. Well, you can on our Instagram, so go check us out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delighted to be here. You have all three of us today. We're doing a Q and A, um, responding to the questions you submitted on our Instagram. And there's some goodies here, some real goodies. So let's start. First question, how do you love and support someone without enabling them? Super good question. This is a super easy pattern to fall into if you're in an enmeshed relationship. Say What's that three times mean, fast. KJ. And mesh. If you're in an enmeshed relationship, if you're in an enmeshed relationship, yeah, I got it. Pause, like challenge accepted. <laughs> An enmeshed relationship is one where you have basically, well, it's like codependency. I guess that's a layman's term for it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the opposite of boundaried. Like boundaried people have like very, very kind of like easily identified boundaries between each other in a relationship, but then in mesh is just like totally integrated in a way that's too much for people. Usually uh, you're my just feelings, stuck together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My feelings are your feelings. Yours are yes. mine. We do. Your business everything. is my business and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everything. Yeah. But you can also be an enabler, not in an enmeshed relationship. I think it can happen a lot in like substance abuse relationships, any sort of relationship that has addiction involved or like a parent-child relationship where you've got like the helicopter parent or sometimes just with people who have some of that anxious attachment going on where they can just jump to the aid of whoever it is to gain favor with them or just kind of be validated by them. So how do you love and support someone if that is kind of your, your go-to, you know, you struggle to not enable? I think what you have to figure out is what the difference is between loving and supporting someone and, and enabling them, right? I think truly we don't ever want to enable someone if you define enabling as allowing someone to continue a negative behavior, whether that's like a negative behavior of their own that just impacts them or it's something that impacts the relationship or is impacting others. You know, I don't think we ever really want to be stuck in enabling patterns. And so you have to just look at your behavior, look at their behavior and ask, is this enabling this negative thing? that I don't want to continue. And if you are, if you're creating room for that to con- continue in some way by having poor boundaries, letting them walk all over you, whatnot, 
then that should stop and that will be better for you and it will be better for them. The difference is with support is you're helping give them tools and ideas and love and advice and wisdom along the way as they figure out their own thing. But mostly you're just there being their friend as they go through something versus like solving their problems or allowing them to continue in their problems. So you really just want to be like, I'm a supportive person, you know, kind of think about it. Like they have agency, they get to make their choices. They get to do whatever they want to do, whether that's good, bad, or ugly, but all you can do is be in their life as a supportive person along the way, you know? And so cool. I love that you did that really negative thing for yourself. That's what you want to do. I'm happy for you. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a supportive person. An enabler would say, oh, you have a drug addiction. You need to sleep on my couch tonight. An enabler would say, yes, you can sleep on my on my couch. And then you find out that they brought drugs into your house and you're like, oh, it's not a big deal, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Someone who is being supportive is saying, yes, of course you can sleep on my couch. Oh, actually, you cannot have drugs in my home, so I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You are being supportive, but then they still get to choose what they do. And so you're drawing the line when you are enabling a negative behavior. Mm-hmm. And I, be- I feel like a lot of people have a difficult time, like Jessica just mentioned, differentiating those two things. And we want to enable when we're taking ownership of somebody's issues and decisions and problems. So if them making that decision to for example, do drugs. If you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to save them. I have to rescue them. I have to make sure that they don't ruin their life. Of course, you love this person. You don't want to see them ruin their life. That would be terrible and tragic and you want to help them any way that you can. But like Jessica mentioned, you have to realize that you don't own their problems. No matter how close you are, no matter if you guys grew up together, if you're family or whatever, you cannot own their problems. And if you do, if you continue to own it, you will feel terrible a lot of the time and you will enable eventually. So it's kind of like I have ownership over my life. You have ownership over your life. And like Jessica said, I want to support you and love you in any way that I can. But if you make that decision, that's your decision to make. I think that's beautiful. Let's move on to the next question. How to be open to finding new friendships after you break up with a friend and how to navigate that breakup when it involves friends and family. I think it's fine to take a break from being open to new friendships, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like if you need a little bit of time to kind of heal and process through that, I think it's fine to you know, not want to dip your toe in the new friend pool. Friendships are relationships. And so just think about it the same way you would a dating breakup. If you had a dating breakup and that breakup was really difficult and that relationship had been very important in a big part of your life and it was like a painful breakup, you would probably take time off from dating to heal and kind of take care of yourself for a little while. Just do the same thing with a friendship breakup. Enjoy being single. Yeah. And just be (laughs) like, okay, I want to recenter on who I am, what's important to me, what am I looking for in a friend? You know, don't jump into a best friendship too fast, you know? 
You don't want to get stuck in a loop of negative friendships over and over again. <laughs> you know, just really assess your situation first. But really, like, it's the same as a breakup. So my advice would be the same. Heal for yourself. Take time off if you need it. Look at why that relationship was not healthy for you. Was it things that they had? Was it things in you? You know, was it the combo that was toxic? Whatever. And then as you move forward to a new friendship, look for someone who will better take care of you and that you can better take care of too. Mm-hmm. And say that you've done everything that Jessica just mentioned. You've taken that time and really looked inward and you're like, okay, I've learned, I've grown, I've healed. I think I'm ready right, to try to find some new friendships. I think the first thing that you need to realize is that when you start a friendship with somebody, it's not going to be at the level that it was with that past friend. Because just like all of our other relationships, time, experience, and everything contribute to that really, really deep level of authenticity and of connection. So it's going to take time. So if you start I feel like I am talking about dating, but it's like once you start courting a new friend (laughs) and you feel like it's kind of superficial in the beginning, that's okay. That's actually really good. It's good to start at a surface level. Most of the time, if you if you come in contact with somebody, and I think we can all recognize a time in our life when we've had this, we come in contact with somebody and you start to feel really uncomfortable. It's usually because that person isn't practicing distinct boundaries and is sharing a little bit more than, than the relationship at that point warrants. And so I think it's really important to take those slow steps. I always tell clients, whether it's like dating or friendship, It's like you share something small, see how they respond, see how they make space for you, see how they validate you. At that point, you've opened up yourself to them. Then you wait until they open up with something small. You respond, you validate, you hold space. As you do this over and over and over again, that is how you build a relationship. That's how you build an authentic friendship that is, that has just like mutual respect in it. So, don't go in guns a blazing. Like, here's all my stuff because it can be really good to take those incremental steps. It can also be really good when you're really afraid for maybe the same thing to happen that you're last in your last friendship that you're not wanting that to happen again. So, take time. It's okay if it's superficial in the beginning. Share little things and then wait for them to share little things. And then you do that pattern over and over and over again until you're best friends forever. Just like the three of us, we can also host a podcast someday. (laughs) And I think the other part of this question where it talks about like how to navigate that friendship breakup when it involves like a spouse or family Family members. members, Other common friends and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That is very tricky. And I think the most important thing to remember with that is that you can't control other people and other people's relationships. All you can do is can control you, right? So if you have this friendship breakup, but your spouse still wants to be friends with them or they're still in your family or whatever it is, if you feel like you need to control this person's relationships with your family members, you're going to drive yourself insane. Just recognizing that that is not in your control and it doesn't need to be. 
you are protecting you and creating a safe place for you and your relationships. And so if that means you need to set some boundaries with your family members that are still friends with this person, then that's what that warrants. And maybe that looks like you saying, hey, I don't really want to hear about your interactions with this person. Or if we go to something and this person's there, I want you to know that this is how I plan on handling it. Something like that. Just like maybe over communicating for a while with the people that, you know, you still care about that are friends with this person so that you can kind of maintain those relationships that you want to maintain and then giving a lot of space to the one that you're letting go of. Mm -hmm. I think if people try and guilt you for ending the relationship or taking a step back, you just have a very clear boundary of, I'm very happy that you can have a positive relationship with this person, but for me, the relationship was unhealthy. And so I need to take a step back and take care of myself. You just repeat that over and over again. I'm happy for you that you get along with them, but it wasn't working out for me because that's true. You can be very happy that it's working for them and very sad that it didn't work for you and then move on, you know? All right. Our next question, how to help friends who are struggling with non-traditional addictions. I like social media, phone usage, candy. I don't know what, what else they could be referring to. You know, there's a lot of ideas. So my response to this question is a question are your friends asking for help? Are your friends oh, recognizing yes. that this is a problem? Because mm-hmm. if they're not and they're not coming to you for help, stay in your lane. It's not your thing to mess with. Um, if it's something that's really bothering you, like when you're with them, they're always on their phone. Like you go on a lunch date with them and they're just constantly on your phone and it's getting to a point where you feel like it's kind of driving a wedge in your relationship and there's some disconnection, then that's a fine time to say, hey, like, let's talk about this because I'm having a hard time with it. And I would just say to remember um, that they get to choose what's right for them. So you can always offer advice. I do agree with KJ that you should either stick and stay in your lane in that if they ask you for help, you can happily give it to them, or you can talk about it as it affects you directly as a way of setting a boundary for yourself. Like, like KJ was talking about, like if they're on their phone and it's driving a wedge between you guys, then you can say like, I would appreciate it if you weren't on your phone while we were at lunch, because I feel like we're not as close because of your phone usage. They get to choose what they do with that though, right? And so always remember that if they continue to be on their phone, that's their choice and that's totally fine. They are doing that with their life and that's up to them. You get to choose something different for your life. And maybe that means I'd rather not go to lunch with them anymore because it's just not worth it. And so that's like a a reality of life, you know? If someone wants to hold on to their small addiction, they can hold on to it, you know? And so then you get a good opportunity to practice letting other people be other people. And we'll have a whole episode on this called letting go of expectations for others. And so you can look for that in the future if you want a whole episode on this concept. I think another way to just help with that too is is to just model that behavior. Like if they look up to you as someone who really 
does well with navigating social media or having boundaries with your phone, then just keep modeling that for them. I think that's the best way you can help. And if they ask you how you do that, let them know your tips and tricks for how you navigate that in your life. So let's move on to our next question, which kind of has to do with this. How do we navigate social media as people who realize that a lot of life does happen on social media? You can get a lot of good information. You can have a lot of good friendships and relationships, keep up with old friendships and such. But what do you do when it's becoming kind of addictive? It's becoming negative and that you have negative thoughts about yourself. Maybe you have negative interactions with like family members, but you feel like you can't unfollow them because they're family and they might confront you about it. Please tell us how to navigate all of social media. That makes it sound like sarcastic, like tell us how to, but like really, what are your guys' tips for navigating social media in a healthy way when there's like so many different facets? I think that you have to have like regular check-ins with yourself because for if for me it's like every week I have to look at it and be like how much was I on social media this week how, my my kind of mantra or mentality is always just like I want to be able to stand behind my behavior I want to be able to stand behind my actions so I kind of look at it for the past week and it's like how was it this week? Did it affect me in a negative way? How am I feeling about myself? Am I feeling confident? Am I feeling connected to my children? Am I feeling all of these things? Once I've identified these things, and let's be real, most of the time, it's like, that's probably too much this week. There was probably too much social media usage or phone usage. So what do I do at that point? I kind of look at the things that are essential. We do run an Instagram account for Thoughts Pod. For me, this I consider work, but I also try to make – and we've done really well like as a company to try to put our social media responsibilities on certain days. So if we only want to go on on those days, that's what we have to do. So I think looking at it being like, okay, this is what I need to do for work. This is what I need to do for this. Other than that, how do I want to be spending the rest of that time? Am I okay just scrolling for an hour? Maybe that's good for me. Maybe that's a release for me. Um, maybe it's not. And so I think it's just kind of like showing up for yourself. Being, I think the biggest thing here is being honest with yourself. Sometimes it can be hard looking at your actions for a day and being like, wow, I was scrolling on Instagram while my kids are at the park and they wanted to play with me. You know, it's like, okay, I recognize that in myself and that's something that I would like to change. So let me create a plan of action in which I can change that for myself. So I think my number one thing is just like evaluating your behaviors, being honest with yourself, and then creating a plan that you feel more comfortable with at that point. And here is a mindfulness exercise you can do after you finish listening to this episode concerning your social media. You scroll through your feed and you tune into what emotions are being triggered by the different posts, the different people that you're seeing. If it's triggering something that you don't like, whether that's like jealousy or anger or sadness, then I'd encourage you to evaluate why you're following that person. Are you following them because you know, they're an old friend from high school and you feel like you have to, that it would be an awkward interaction if they confronted you about not following them anymore. 
Are you following them because they're a family member? You know, there's a lot of like complexities to this, but there's nice ways to kind of navigate that where you can uh, mute people. You can mute their stories, posts. You can choose one or the other. Um, and then they won't show up on your feed or just straight up unfollow someone. So continue going through and if posts are sparking creativity in you or good feelings, then keep them around and try to curate your feed to something that inspires you and uplifts you so that, you know, if you are spending time on social media, you're you're feeling good. Um, I noticed that I was getting in kind of a rut where I was following people that was like sparking a lot of like anxiety or jealousy in me. I think a lot of times this can really hit us in like periods of waiting in our life. Like if we're waiting for something like we're waiting for a relationship or we're waiting to get pregnant or we're waiting for, you know, whatever it is, like those are our more vulnerable times. And you may change what you're consuming frequently on social media. And so recently I just started following a lot of people who create things like crafts or whatever. I'm not a crafty person, but for some reason that was like inspiring to me to like watch people create beautiful things like really cool pottery or whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to learn ceramics anytime soon, but it was just like a nice thing to see instead of like some other things thing on your feed. Yeah. Um, or like nature account, you know, so just trying to create like a really beautiful experience when I am on social media. So that's a mindfulness practice you can try. Yeah, I recently actually just deleted my personal Instagram account and now I just have a work account for my practice. And it was really interesting to do because I was like, I wonder how many people are going to message me and wonder if I blocked them or something like that. And everybody that I had like a handful of people that were like, hey, I haven't seen any of your stuff lately. Like, how are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I actually just deleted my account because I felt like I wanted to be a little bit more intentional with my relationships and with my time. And they were all like, yeah, like that's such a good idea. Like I'm so happy for you. So it's like we feel like we are the center of the universe. And that makes sense because all of our all of our thoughts, emotions, and biases come from us. But you are not the center of everybody else's universe. They are. So it's like as much as we think that that action will affect so many people, and it will, but it doesn't to the to the level that you think it's going to. So it's kind of like if this is good for you and if you feel good about that, the people that matter, meaning the people that love you and support you and that you want in your life would understand an action like this. So I think it's just recognizing that, that if you did feel the need to do that, it would be okay. So let's talk about like toxic things that you can run into on social media, because I do think that this is a big problem where maybe, um, pretty big things are triggered like past trauma, because maybe you're friends with someone who is friends with one of your abusers. And then all of a sudden you're scrolling your feed and your abuser pops up on your feed. That's very traumatic, something like that. Um, 
or toxic fighting amongst family members on social media, especially I'm sure everyone experienced it with the election last year where there was a lot of really intense people. And so maybe you have infighting amongst family members and you're wondering if you should get involved or not and things like that. And I think that this is where you set really healthy boundaries for yourself. I think the unfollow button is amazing. If you don't feel comfortable unfriending someone because you're afraid of any fallout from that, then just unfollow them. It's super easy. You just unfollow them. They don't know that you did it. And if they are like, hey, you haven't been commenting on my stuff anymore, just be like, hey, I am not on social media as much and I'm just trying to be a little bit less active in that part of my life. And so I'm not seeing everything that you're posting, which is 100% true. So there you go. You can also, if you want to be a really strong person, you can just say, because of what I've been seeing on your page lately, it's very dramatic and I've actually chosen to unfollow you for a little while. That's what's better for me right now. I am always in favor of saying that because it's good for you and it's good for them to have stuff reflected back to them. But I also realize that sometimes that will hurt your in-life relationships that you can't necessarily avoid. There are people who we need to maybe walk on eggshells around when we don't see them that often. Whereas like if it's your mother, then that's time for a really good boundary setting. Like you got to work on it. So the next question is, how do I find the line between helping and serving other people and taking care of myself and having good boundaries? Yeah, this reminds me of the container concept. And I know that this is really hard because we do feel the need to take care of other people and to serve other people, especially those that we love. But sometimes it can be difficult to identify that line between like, oh, I have enough to give and I'm taking from what I should be keeping for myself to nourish myself and maybe my family. Um, But in terms of a container, it's kind of like we have things that fill our container all of the time. And a lot of the times when our containers are full, And then additional things come, we kind of swipe them away. And so it's kind of like my container is full because I'm not necessarily taking care of myself or looking inward and seeing how I'm doing with my my own emotional climate. And then say my kids come along with things that they need help with. Sometimes I'll swipe them away because I'm too full. Like I just don't have anything else to do. So I think, and we do have an entire episode on this, on like your emotional climate and recognizing the emotional, it's our emotional awareness episode. So what you can do is recognize your own emotional awareness and your climate. So it's kind of like, how am I doing? Am I meeting my own needs? Am I feeling okay? If I am, yes, I have enough room in my container to hold emotional space for somebody else, to serve them, to validate them, to be there with them. If you don't, it might not be the right time. Doesn't mean that you can't serve somebody else eventually. Doesn't mean that you can't go there and be there for them. It does mean that you need to address what's going on right now because if you don't, you'll just be in debt at that point. It's kind of like then you're working in the negative and in the red. This kind of reminds me, I had a friend who um, had just had a baby and I wanted to bring a meal to her because that's what we do. You bring meals and love each other and show your support. But at the, I had just had a week, like a week where I was just emotionally depleted. I was having a hard time taking care of my own kids. And so at that point, if I would have 
gone to the store, made a decent meal and dropped it off, it would have really put me in the red in a bad way for myself and for my children. So what I did was I sent her a text and I said, hey, I know that I err. Or I was like, I really wanted to bring you dinner tonight. I'm so sorry to leave you in a lurch. I can't get this together right now. Could I possibly do it next week? Like, I really want to see you and I want to show you some love. And then she texted me. She was like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. Like, I'll just have my husband bring a pizza home from work. It's not a big deal. And then we, you know, finalized the time for next week. And I showed up in a good way and I was able to take care of myself and my children. So I think you're not a failure for not being there for other people and not having enough, like, room in your container. I think it's just being human and giving yourself, like, enough space and grace for that. So the first step is definitely – having some emotional awareness, recognize your own climate and how much room you have in your container, and then moving forward based on that. Yeah, and I really think the idea is that if you are wondering, if you're like on this line of like, am I sacrificing myself to serve other people, then you probably do need to like reassess where you're at personally because that just for me is like, you need to be more in tune with where you're at self-care wise. You know what I mean? Like for Taylor, it was very clear, like, oh, I cannot do that this week versus someone who takes the dinner anyway and then comes home to a disaster and blah, 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 blah. And so it's just really like learning to really tap into yourself and be like, okay, where am I at today? Yeah. Where can I put my time and energy right now? There are times when you need to be cared for and there are hopefully more times that you can care for others. And so that's like a beautiful opportunity to be a lovely human and support others, but you really do have to kind of take stock first to see where you're at before you move on and be become really good at that and be like, okay, yeah, I can feel where I'm at. Yeah, I have plenty of space for that. Or you know what, I really am a place where I need to be taken care of right now. And so I'm going to lean on my friends for support instead of being the support for them. That kind of a thing. We all take turns. Mm -hmm. It's the beauty of life. Yeah. And in your, just one additional thought in your closer relationships, if you want to take this a step further, what I've started doing, like, especially with my sister is I'll call her because I know she has her own life and her own stuff and her own emotions. I'll call her and I'll be like, I have something kind of heavy to talk about. Do you have enough emotional space for this right now? And then she will literally be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Like my kids are at school. I'm totally good. And sometimes she'll be like, you know, no, I'm in the car. I'm on the way to this appointment. Like I'm having a day. Like is it possible that it could wait? You know, and then I'm like, yeah, it can totally wait. Like, thanks for telling me, you know, because the point in that is that you want that interaction to be as successful as possible for both parties. And so it's kind of like you can start that dialogue in the very beginning of, hey, do you have space for this right now? Or sometimes if that person doesn't ask or might with my sister, I'll even be like, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't really have the emotional space for this right now. And I really want to be there for you, but I don't feel like I can at this moment, you know? Then she'll be like, no, that's okay. Like we'll talk about it tomorrow or something. So I think just like in introducing that concept and then giving space for it so that you set yourself up for success. All right, well- Clearly, we're here to give you great advice. So experts have spoken. Submit your questions when we throw up that question box every month. 
Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.